anticipation and what that looks like. So I, I'm going to read a few verses that come from the Old Testament and then some from the New Testament. And if you started this one with us last week, um, I'm going through the prophet Micah. And all right, you're just going to have to bear with us for a little while because the opening chapters of Micah don't sound very good. There, there's not a lot of good news happening there. But, but here's what I want you to note, that we're also going to connect this with a New Testament passage in Luke, which from John the Baptist also, well, it doesn't look like very good news. But note this, as we read through this one today, that, that it ends, and we're going to read this part from Luke's gospel, that it ends with Luke saying that John declared the good news, that we're going to read some verses here that don't sound like good news, but in the Bible, it's called good news. We're, we're going to unpack that a little bit today, of what that means and, and why at Christmas, it's good that we pause and take in some of this before we jump straight to all of the rejoicing and joy, but we prepare ourselves for that. All right, so a little bit today that first comes from the prophet Micah, and I'm going to read chapter 3. It's only 12 verses long. Micah chapter 3, and this is a bit of a harsh prophecy that's coming from Micah, but it's in the word of God, and it's for us today. So listen to these words. Here's what the prophet Micah says. Then I said, listen, you leaders of Jacob, you rulers of Israel, should you not embrace justice, you who hate good and love evil, who tear the skin from my people and the flesh from their bones, who eat my people's flesh, strip off their skin and break their bones in pieces, who chop them up like meat for the pan, like flesh for the pot, then they will cry out to the Lord, he will not answer them. At that time, he will hide his face from them because of the evil they have done. This is what the Lord says. As for the prophets who lead my people astray, they proclaim peace if they have something to eat. But prepare to wage war against anyone who refuses to feed them. Therefore, Night will come over you without visions and darkness without divination. The sun will set for the prophets and the day will go dark for them. The seers will be ashamed and the diviners disgraced. They will all cover their faces because there is no answer from God. But as for me, I am filled with the power with power, with the Spirit of the Lord, and with justice and might to declare to Jacob his transgression, to Israel his sin. Hear this, you leaders of Jacob, you rulers of Israel, who despise justice and distort all that is right, who build Zion with bloodshed and Jerusalem with wickedness. Her leaders judge for a bribe. Her priests teach for a price. And her prophets tell fortunes for money. 
Yet they look for the Lord's support and say, Is not the Lord among us? No disaster will come upon us. Therefore, because of you, Zion will be plowed like a field. Jerusalem will become a heap of rubble. The temple hill mound, a mound overgrown with thickets. And then transition to the New Testament. So these are words that come from John the Baptist, and I'm going to read from Luke chapter 3. I read from Luke 3 last week too, and this is picking up right where I left off last week. So last week in Luke 3 is, is where John quotes Isaiah the prophet about the coming of the one that God sends. And he ends that, what we read last week, by telling all the people who come out to be baptized, he tells them, you brood of vipers who warned you that God's wrath was coming. Here's the response then that comes. So in Luke 3, and I'm picking it up at verse 10. What should we do then? The crowd asked. John answered. Anyone who has two shirts should share with the one who has none. Anyone who has food should do the same. Even tax collectors came to be baptized. Teacher, they asked, what should we do? Don't collect any more than you are required to, he told them. Then some of the soldiers asked him, and what should we do? He replied, don't extort money and don't accuse people falsely. Be content with your pay. The people were waiting expectantly and were all wondering in their hearts if John might possibly be the Messiah. John answered them all, I baptize you with water, but one who is more powerful than I will come, the straps of whose sandals I am not worthy to untie. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand to clear his threshing floor and to gather the wheat into his barn. But he will burn up the chaff with unquenchable fire. And with many other words, John exhorted the people and proclaimed the good news to them. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. All right, so it's Advent. It, it's Christmas time. And yeah, why are we looking at scripture that talks about, well, from Micah, did it sound like cannibalism? Eating others? I mean, it's poetic, symbolic language. They didn't really eat other people. But, but the words there that Micah is giving are words that, you know what, you are so corrupt that it's like you are eating them in your destructive ways that the prophets are getting the people ready for what God is bringing and what this looks like. It feels a little bit harsh. It doesn't seem like good news, but that last thing that we read in Luke, that's what Luke says, that even this message that John echoes too to the people, Luke calls it good news. Let's unravel that a little bit and let's figure out how some of these passages from the Old Testament that, all right, I will admit it first, I don't go to read passages like that very often. I don't know how often maybe you do that either, 
thumb through those Old Testament prophets where it's all that judgment, that's part of the Bible that maybe we prefer to leave closed more often than open, but it's there. And, and we're getting through it, and, and you're going to see in coming weeks, because we're going to keep going through Micah, that Micah does, in fact, turns this toward a Christmas story. But we can't ignore the beginning of that story. We can't jump straight to Christmas Day without getting the background that leads up to it. Some of that is important for us to know. So let me continue with a little bit of background that comes into this, some background that uh, helps us see some of that picture. I told a little bit last week about Micah, about when he lived and who he lived with during the same time as Isaiah. The northern kingdom of Israel had fallen to the Assyrians, but the southern kingdom of Judah and Jerusalem remained intact. It wouldn't be until after Micah's lifetime that the Babylonians would come and conquer that. That's the historical context. Let's take a little bit of a wider snapshot today though, and think about how these words from Micah are heard by Old Testament Israel. How those people would have heard that prophecy, given what they knew of their own history, that they were God's people, saved by God, and given this promised land of Canaan. It goes back to the time of the judges, Right after they came into the land of Canaan and after the law was given to them and, and it was a covenantal arrangement that God made a covenant with his people. And in that time, in the Old Testament, we understand that covenant was conditional. A conditional covenant. And it was a conditional covenant that started with God. That's important to note. It started with God, not with the people. That the people did not come to God and say, all right, God, we're going to prove ourselves to you first so that we can gain your favor. That's not the way it worked. This is important. That God came first. God rescued his people first. God took his people out from their slavery in Egypt first. They didn't do anything to deserve that or to earn that. It was after God rescued his people that he gave them the law at Mount Sinai. That's important to know about God's covenant that God starts, that God goes first. God makes the first promise. And when God makes his first promise, there wasn't any, all right, my promise is on hold until you do this. Nope. God gives his promise. But in the Old Testament, we see it was a promise that came with an expected result. God gave his covenant and he said, the covenant that I'm giving you, the blessing that you will receive, the favor that I am going to show you, it has an expected result from the people. So during the time of the judges, the people were learning how to figure this out, learning how to figure out how this expected result works. And if you know anything about the book of Judges, it was sort of back and forth where the people would follow the ways of God and they would prosper. They would forget about God and then the surrounding nations would come and conquer them. They would cry out to God and God would send a judge to save them and they would be returned again. Back and forth and back and forth it went. A display of this conditional covenant that the people had an expected result. And when they forgot about that expected result, God would remind them 
in some ways that were not always so pleasant for them. That's the history around the people of Israel. But it goes from there to where after the time of the judges, the people wanted kings. And that didn't always go so well either. They again needed reminders of what God gave to them. I'm going to pull one in particular. It was King Jehoshaphat in the Old Testament, who was one of those good kings that tried to renew and restore the people back again and, and gave these words. So this is coming from Second Chronicles 19. Second Chronicles 19, it says this, Jehoshaphat. He told them, consider carefully what you do because you are not judging for mere mortals, but for the Lord who is with you. And whenever, and whenever you give a verdict. Now let the fear of the Lord be with you. Judge carefully, for with the Lord our God, there is no injustice or partiality or bribery. When you give judgments for the other people, Jehoshaphat says, you speak on behalf of God. Or to put it the other way around, when you pervert justice, when you ignore justice, when you fall into sin. It's not just an offense against other people. It's not just an offense against the people who are the victims of injustice, but it is an offense against God. It's a reminder of the sin that the people carried. I think that's what Micah is trying to show us, and I think that's what John the Baptist is after, and I think that's why during this, this time of Advent that we lead into Christmas, that, that we pause during this time of Advent, and we remember a little something about the reason God sent a Savior for us in the first place. Because we're broken people. Because we sin because we need restoration and healing. It's not just the injustices in the world. It's not just the brokenness of our creation. It's not just the corruption that you see around us, but it's in every one of us that we are born into sin. And, and sin, then, is, is not just things that we do that are wrong, actions, but we profess, we teach, we proclaim through Scripture that we are born into a sinful nature. That we, you and I, have been sinners since day number one when we were born because it's a nature that we were born into as part of this world. And we need a Savior. That's what Mike is trying to remind us of. That's what John the Baptist is trying to remind us of, that we have a need for Jesus to come to us. These people needed to be reminded that. See it again in Micah, what we read today from the last part of verse 11, where the people's response, Micah's giving that prophecy, right? That prophecy of God's judgment is coming, but the people, yet they look to the Lord's support and they say, is not the Lord among us? No disaster will come upon us. We do it right. We live as God's people. We, we check all the right boxes. 
Micah says, but we're still sinners. We still need God to come to us. So let's go back to that covenant piece then. All right, that that covenant piece that for them was a conditional covenant but started with God. And when God comes in the New Testament, when Jesus is born, that covenant takes on a new meaning. A new covenant is what Jesus says when he comes. That now there's something new and different about how this condition of the covenant works, even in our world of corruption today. That we are people who still need a Savior, but now we know how the Savior has come. So I'm going to lean a little bit towards a um, a 500-year-old document. This is called the Heidelberg Catechism. And maybe some of you are familiar with it. But here's one of the things that the Heidelberg Catechism says about what is we, we see in some of these passages about the corruption, the sin that comes upon us. Question number 87 of the Heidelberg Catechism, it asks this. Can those be saved who do not turn to God from their ungrateful and repentant ways? Here's what the Catechism says as an answer. By no means. Scripture tells us that no unchaste person, no idolater, no no adulterer, no thief, no covetous person, no drunkard, no slanderer, no robber, or the like, will inherit the kingdom of God. It's those words that we hear that remind us sin keeps us away from God. But now I want us to take a look at, as we anticipate Christmas, how Jesus comes into that, all right? How are we to think about this? Because if I left it right there, if I said, all right, that's it, we're done, today's over, you'd walk out of here and say, so where was the hope? Where's the hope in that? Because we're all sinners, and you just read something from the catechism that said, sinners cannot inherit the kingdom of God. Where does that leave us today? So let's think about how that works in a progression, and I'll give this a little bit of order, using some because ofs, all right? So, because I am a sinner, start there. Because I am a sinner, I cannot be a part of God's kingdom. That's what we're seeing in Scripture and what I've affirmed in the Catechism today. Because I am a sinner, I cannot be a part of God's kingdom. The sin that you and I were born into, that keeps us apart from the kingdom of God, his renewed creation. But then, next, because God loves me, Jesus came into our world of sin. You know, that most famous verse in the Bible, John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he sent his only son, that whoever believes in him would not perish but have eternal life. It's because of God's love. And receive that personally, right? Because God loves me. Jesus came into a world of sin to live as one of us. Then the next one. Because Jesus gave himself for me, God's kingdom is opened up for me. So Jesus came into the world and lived the perfect life that you and I never could. 
that Jesus gave his very own life on the cross so that he would take the wrath for our brokenness, our sin. And there on the cross, that, that Jesus took his perfect righteousness because Jesus was without sin. He took his perfect righteousness and he made an exchange. On the cross, Jesus says, here, my perfect righteousness, you all get this now. This is for you. And your sin, the thing that keeps you apart from God, I'm going to take that on me. There was an exchange that happened there on the cross. That we are now righteous, not by our own righteousness. We have the righteousness of Christ because it was given to us at the cross. We are still sinners, but we no longer wear the guilt of that sin because Jesus took that at the cross. Because Jesus gave himself for me. God's kingdom is opened up for me. Now we're starting to get towards some good news, that there is a kingdom that we get to be a part of. But the next one, because God's kingdom is opened up for me, God beckons my life to respond. Remember where, we t- where I started with this in the Old Testament with that covenant, that, that God made covenant first, that God came first and said, here's my promise to you. Now, in response to that promise, there is an expected result. That Because God's kingdom is now opened up, that there is an expected result God gives his gift to the Holy Spirit that comes into our hearts and our lives and the Holy Spirit then prompts us and molds us and shapes us so that we may respond to the door that God has opened to be a part of his kingdom. A response. Now, uh, here's the thing that I want you to notice about this, that, that every single one of these phrases I started with a because of and not and in order to. That's something that I think in leading up to Christmas that, that it's good for us to remember. You know what, I, I don't come to church all the things that I need to do here in order to be a part of God's kingdom. I don't try to live a good life in order to be a good Christian. No, it's a response. It's a because of that what we do as people of faith is a response because of what God has already done. Not in order to get there, but because God has already brought us there. And now we respond to that. That this life of renewal that God invites us into is not something we do in order to get somewhere, but it's because of what God has already done and is already doing that we see that. A response then. What does that response look like for us? A couple of things. What we see in the Old Testament and in the New Testament there that John the Baptist, he calls people to a baptism of repentance. So in this response that we give, the part that John gives for us is, he says, repent. And and repent Maybe we think of repentance as, I need to feel sorry for my sins. Yes, that's part of repentance. But repentance, the word repent in the Bible, literally means turn around. 
You're going one way, turn around and go the other way. Repentance means turn around. And in what we read today from Luke 3, when those people asked, right, John, John says, you brood of vipers who come here and receive this baptism of repentance. Who warned you? And the people ask, so what do we do? What do we do? And what does John say? What's his answer? Not just feel sorry for the things that you've done, but turn things around. Where you were falling into sin, now pick yourself up and do the right thing. Not in order to. Not because if I don't do these things, I can't prove myself to God. But keep clear the order here that it's because of. Because of what God has already done. Because I am no longer guilty for the sin that I have. That's already been taken. Because I already have the righteousness of Christ given to me. Because I already have it. It's my response to repent with the Holy Spirit in our lives, shaping us to respond to him. That's the part that I do. Now then, the part that God does, the response, that, that God doesn't just leave it there. right? That, that God's work wasn't done at the cross and at the resurrection. That's where Jesus won the victory that turned everything around. But when Jesus ascended to heaven and he sent his Holy Spirit, that, that there is still a life of what we call sanctification. That God continues to go with us. So this becoming a renewed person is an ongoing process. It's something that we walk through day to day in our life of Christian faith together. That God gives us that as a part for, for us to receive from him as his Holy Spirit works through us. That's the part that God does, renewing us molding us, shaping us. The prophets today remind us that we need that, that we're broken people, that we need God's renewal in our lives, and that with God, renewal comes to us. All right, so let's make this personal. Let's find some takeaway for us on this, all right? How does this look for us? Well, the first thing I would say is there, there is a posture of repentance. That repentance is not just a one-time thing. It's not just that, you know what, I, I had that moment where I said that sinner's prayer and I received Christ into my life and now I'm a Christian and repentance is sort of this thing that I did and now it's over. But repentance forms something of a posture in which we live. A posture in which we recognize a couple of things, right? First of all, we recognize that it's because of what God has already done for me that my life can be turned around. Repentance is only possible because of what God has given me to make it possible. That God's kingdom is opened up because of what Jesus has done. So a posture of repentance includes humility. Humility to recognize that everything that I do now is a response to what God has done for me. I do only because God has made that possible. That is a posture of repentance. That I continue to live day to day 
recognizing that we are still broken people in a broken world. The guilt of that sin is no longer held by us. Jesus took that guilt, but we are still broken people in a broken world. So we live in a posture of repentance from day to day because we know that the turning around of our lives is not a one-time event either, but it is a journey we are on. So that's one thing. The other thing is this. Participate in renewal. That we are people who have participation in renewal, and this is where we recognize where God is at work. To participate in the renewal of our own lives and of the world around us, that God came to save and restore and redeem this world, and he's on that task. He's about that mission. And now that we are people who are called to join him in that, we have places where we can participate in what God is already doing. Our Renewal Lab team that works with this church, we're, we're spending many months coming up here just on the idea of listening. Listening for what we see God already doing. Listening for what God is revealing to us through his word. Listening for what God is revealing to us in what's around us here. Listening to the community around us looking to say, where is God already at work? What is God already doing? Where do we see God working and where can we join in with where God may already be and with what God is already doing? That we find opportunities to participate in the renewal of this world, even in those small glimpses that we get. Right? Let, let's not be overly grandiose about this. We do not change the world. God changes the world. We get opportunities for little snapshots and glimpses and places to participate in ways. And maybe that doesn't feel like much, but make it personal because it's about that posture of repentance and that participation in renewal. It's about being with God where God is working. At, at my house and in my family, we, we try to recycle things as much as we can. So we've got that recycle bin, and that goes out every couple of weeks. And you know what? I've read the stories that maybe you've read too. You know what? That stuff all just goes to a landfill anyway, right? Are you really doing anything when you recycle? But you know what? It starts with a posture, a posture that says, even if it doesn't get me what I think the expected result is to change the world, you know what? As far as my conscience, as far as how I am before God, because I am repentant before God, I'm at least going to do something. Even if it's not going to change the whole world, it matters to me and it matters to my life that I would turn and say, God, you made a beautiful world. And if there's little things I can do that at least give an attempt to preserve the beauty of that creation, then I'm going to do it. And that's one example. You could come up with hundreds of other examples of little things that are in front of us every day to participate in renewal. Whether it's in the classroom, striving to do your best as you learn, or in the lunchroom, seeing that other student who tends to always sit alone by themselves and saying, you know what? 
I have an opportunity to participate in a little bit of renewal just by being friendly to someone who feels like they maybe have no friends. There's an opportunity there placed in front of us by God. For those of us in the workplace where we go to jobs and you have opportunities, opportunities to, let's be honest, maybe cheat, skim a little off the top, make a deal that comes out more in our favor by pushing someone else's favor down, there's an opportunity there to participate in renewal of, I'm going to use the gifts, the skills, the talents, the abilities that I have to help make somebody else's life better to help build up someone else instead of push someone else down, to help give for someone else instead of just taking for me. There's opportunity there for us to each personally do this. For those who are maybe more in your retirement years, that we have opportunities to share of our time, our abilities. And I know that's maybe different for each one of us depending on where we're at or the level of health that we enjoy that I know some of you, you volunteer where you can. What can I do and where can I be? Some of you, maybe it's more about, I write notes to people. I make phone calls. I send text messages. I just let other people know that I'm thinking of them or praying for them. I know that for some of you here that quite often on our Tuesday night, I see you here bringing a meal when we do our Tuesday night life skills, that you just find, what is it that God has already given to me? What is it that I can already do? And how can I take that and use that to bring just a little bit of renewal into this world? To join God where God is already at work. Not in order to gain anything. Not in order to prove anything, but because of. Because God has already done this for us. That we respond. That's what we look forward to at Christmas. That God has come to us so that our lives may respond in what he's done for us. Let's pray together. God, thank you for the gift of your word. And even in a passage like this where it looks like an awful lot of judgment that's coming, that we see in that a response that comes to us that actually does hold some good news that there is a response that we can give to you, not because we have to earn anything with you, not because we have to convince you to love us, but because you already do love us, because you already have redeemed us, that we now get to join you in your task of renewal as we are being renewed by you. So as we ask that question, Lord, what can I do? What can we do? Lord, show us where you are already at work so that we may join you there in that life of renewal that you bring to us. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen.